Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Shit from shit I stepped in. Look in the mirror and point my weapon. You so soft, you won't do nothing. Wanna be starting something? Got to be starting something. Wants to be starting something? Got to be starting something. Get low and take you under. Hang high and make it over. Shoot yourself in the middle when the pain is thunder. No, no, fuck that shit. Smoke a blunt, it's the best I get. I live my life with no regrets. And so I'm stuck with the pain, live my life with no regrets. And I'm stuck with the shame. That's paranoia for ya. Paranoia that I didn't get over. That's paranoia for ya. That's why you're drunk, not sober. That's paranoia for So beautiful. Mr. Homeboy, it is a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. It's a pleasure to... Pleasure's all yours. Put your hand back in your pocket. Don't you ever disrespect me like that again. You're right. I'm I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the files. <laughs> this is actually hilarious. <laughs> oh. It's a cat. Oh. Honey badger's tearing the shit out of it. Oh. Yeah. That is quite humorous. <laughs> Whoa. It's not that funny. I was just because you said that it was funny, so. Oh, interesting. Anyway, what, what you got for me? Um, we faxed the files to your office. Caizo! 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 Oh, 
Sherlock Homeboy back like I never left fast. That's a statue being nosy, minding my business. What up, Sherlock Homie, Sherlock Nation? Are you not entertained? If you like this episode anyways, please donate $2 or leave a five-star rating, which is like donating $100. Welcome to Colorado Rocky Motors. Okay, I was thinking about, like I said, hey, I'm not no bleeding heart. I'm thinking how to fix the system, and I'm thinking we pay for so much bullshit. i tell you one thing. If we just defund NASA, we can, we can have free health care. And uh, and double the uh, police. You can double the police and double the teachers. All we gotta do is say fuck NASA, fuck an alien. We we'll handle that shit later. It costs too much money. Fuck that imaginary shit. Defund NASA. We gonna get money from that. We gonna we gonna stop giving tax breaks to these churches. Charge these churches. Charge these pro teams. Charge these corporations. Cause we as the people of America. That shit ours. It it nah. Jesus should be paying, so should Tom Brady. What was what's your point? Oh, I was talking about I was thinking about my program and the structure for it of of just like the fuck it fund. Like almost like we have so much control, we can take the pressure off the intensity and we can still get our bread and we can still make it work. I give you an example. The simple way I just was thinking about it. We need to combine civil and criminal court. Why is that separate? You're not getting the money for your TV until Tyrone go to jail and he pay back society for the three years that we're going to get our money back from Tyrone. You have to testify. Everybody felt guilty comes with a check. He punched you. Lock his ass up. Once he's guilty, they're going to be like, Mr. Dickhead, you are guilty. You now owe her $3,500 to get out of jail. Uh, your bond is $3,500. 2000 that go to her. You was found guilty. Or it's just kind of, you know, basically I'm saying the, the fastest way to start fixing it is combine civil and court and, and regular court and start issuing fees. Perfect example. And, and and you see how I'm not trying to give away money. I'm trying to change the infrastructure. Check how this works. I think the biggest under, under I think the biggest under uh, reported crime is probably rape. I, I think rape is probably the biggest unreported crime. And the thing about rape is it's a, it's people dick have to work. 
Because just to be honest, I be talking about the humans, man. There's uh, guys have a problem. Like as in not the human species, guys have a murder problem. Guys have a rape problem. I know we all we all say no, 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 but it's different. So in generic way, uh, 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 the world don't have uh, a rape problem and a murder problem. Guys do. Where was I? You was talking about how the structure of not throwing away money, but fixing the uh, system. I'll give you a perfect example. I think rape is the number one underreported crime, right? When you combine civil and criminal, it gives people's incentive, but I don't care how many incentives you have to fool the lie detector test. The lie detector test still is a good weapon. I don't like first the trick. Fuck this. We can't be scared of the tricks. We're ready for the trick with a with a good system. Tricks be damn. Perfect example. Rape to be found guilty of rape. Here's a good reason I said your dick have to work. Meaning these are taxpayers. These people are gonna be living. People who commit rape. It, for all intents and purposes, it's going to be around a while. This is that like it's not a deathbed type of thing. These sexual crimes, these people are going to be around a while, so there's really no escaping it. So just something simple as taking rape and attaching a ten thousand extra fine to nothing else but goes to the victim, and it follows you around like syphilis or gonorrhea, one of the AIDS, follow you around like the RRS. It it is. It is being it get it gets collected through the IRS. So any any uh uh rape a uh, uh, guilty charge of rape is automatically ten thousand dollars on your back. So if you if you go to prison for life, don't worry, we're gonna hook you up with a job to pay her back. So you, there's no escaping it, like the IRS and taxes, right? And a false thing of rape is five years in jail for the false accuser so now we have an incentive for people to come forward and an incentive for people not to lie when they come forward because this is a big this is a deadly this is a deadly game you're going and you know what it would change it would change to this world would change to a, a world of proof everybody would have proof themselves when that girl get raped she's running to the hospital to get the the thing and like all oh, she lied with consensual was she better that's a deadly game we're hooking up to a lie detector test we're going to don't worry about how we run our system we're going to tighten up our system and i was saying putting the putting our money where it belongs not in iranians hands <laughs> and and putting a wall up and a bubble because because a lot of motherfucking people fly in this bitch too y'all understand i told you that before these immigrants that fly in this motherfucker come through these airports and shit with these little passports, these green cards and all that. But they fly in here. They do the most damage, man. They're sucking our economy dry with millions. That Mexican dude just hooked me up on my lawn. I pay half of it. We don't want that job. He's, he's helped me battle inflation. But these motherfuckers who fly in here, man, how did you get a store? <laughs> you got a store, man. I've been over here for 500 years. And, and 385 of them, we didn't get paid. How did you get a store? You just came from where you just come from? You got a store? Motherfucker. How you get a loan? Those messages. What was your message? My message is like, like, like as it can be done, no need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The upgrade for today's society, I think it could be done with, uh, with, it could be done. I'm just talking my ass off, man. Do me a little commercial. 
$100 Tap Dance Special Sponsor Episode with $100 Donation. My address, PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App is in the information box. Tell me your favorite podcast of mine and your name and message will be right on air as the official sponsor of the episode. Like, off top, when I say off top, uh, all murders is, is instantly a million dollar debt. So, so now, it's not slave labor when you, I put your ass in jail and you better wake up or you can be in the suit and go to work because now, now you have a million dollar debt and the rest defers after that back to the government. So, so when we, when we connect these crimes to civil, civil court, I think, I think things would change. I think, and at the same time is street justice would go down too because now the store owner just needs your ass on camera. Uh, stealing and by him telling on you that's his reimbursement for what you did so so now criminals are not criminals no more they're they're debts you owe me and the emphasis instead of guns would pretty much be on proof and then people understand how cameras are truly more powerful than a gun so uh that just was like a brain fart it was a brain fart. It just was like uh, playing around like as if I took some time in. Matter of fact, give me a check. If you give me a check, give me a check in 12 months to brain. I did. I brainstormed on that like for five minutes. Imagine if I brainstormed on conclusion for five months. Long story short, give me a check and I really fixed this system. Are you going to run for any offices? I told you, motherfucker, I'm running from the police. Back to family killing in Colorado. Just months earlier, Spangler's family was brutally murdered. Spangler told police that he was good at putting the past behind him. He didn't dwell on the past. He could compartmentalize things and just move forward. Robert and Sharon share similar passions. The couple make frequent hiking trips to the surrounding area. Robert and Sharon shared a real love for the outdoors. They loved to hike, particularly. One more thing, and once see, see, you know why? You know why we got all these guns and all that shit? Here's why: because the police ain't gonna do it. Who gonna get your bike? You think the police gonna pay for you? Who gonna get your bike back? Who gonna pay for this window? How you gonna get your rent money back from Tyrone? Like this, like America, America, we 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 need vigilante justice. We need a gun, man. Nobody ain't gonna protect us, man. Ain't nobody gonna protect our shit, man. They all trying to rob us, man. So we have to, uh, we can handle it on our own, but we have no insurance. We need, basically, I'm saying we need insurance. We need American insurance that's paid for by guilty plea, by convictions. We need American. Uh, 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 insurance and here, and you know how you clean up the streets by by uh, by allowing by opening up to criminal activities too. Tyrone, they pay you five thousand dollars from the uh, dope deal y'all had. Now, can you prove that? Okay, we'll get your five thousand dollars back. You just gotta testify against Tyrone. See how that works? Just just a good old American insurance based upon based upon guilty convictions. So you can't just kick you can't even kick in my door to steal my weed. Cause if I know, I go tell them you stole 
You stole five thousand dollars and two pounds of weed from me, and I can prove it. All I gotta do is testify against you. For one, that's a plea deal, so I don't get charged with it. And for two, I'm gonna get my money back once you get found guilty, cause you're working for me in there. I get checks off your ass. So we gonna turn the corporations onto the prisons. And we're going to have or you reap, you pay what you sow. It ain't going to be no such thing called snitching. It's going to be called insurance claim. Yeah, I put an insurance claim on his ass, man. I saw I saw him break that window show dead. The window cost $1,400. So when I pointed him out, I get $1,400 and he owed $1,400 to fix the window. Show dead. I saw him break the window. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, here's the tape. That's Tyrone. Why does it all be Tyrone? Tyrone be doing some shit. Tyrone, Tyrone be fucking up. That's why his name Tyrone. So it turns, there's no such thing as snitching no more. It, it's debt, it's debt collective. What, what, $100,000 for, for to be the, the number one, the number one, the number one suspect or the, the guilty evidence on a murder is $100,000. It's not even a reward. It's, it's how the system works. Cause he's going to pay. He's going to pay a lot more. I mean, he 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 works at Piggly Wiggly, but behind behind the scenes, he folds the boxes forever. And he, and we're gonna pay him what he's owed. Oh, we're gonna match their favor. Yeah, he gets paid seventeen dollars an hour. He only gets twenty cents an hour. But we go we pay him what he owe. So I'm saying, if we uh, I just think about that. If we implement, if we fix the system to be almost insurance based based upon doing the right thing i i think uh we can make america great again <laughs> yeah we should you know what that's so catchy man we should get that shit and put it on hats what your plan no you got sum up your plan i'm just basically saying make america great again hey that is so catchy i heard that somewhere i gotta tell you where i heard it from Ronald fucking Reagan. Yes, Trump stole it. Ronald Reagan used to say that shit. I remember. You remember? Yeah, yeah. I used to. Don't let me explain. VCR tapes and shit. Ronald Reagan used to say, make America great again. He's dead. We can steal it. That's fair. Back to this info war. Family killer in Colorado. In the Grand Canyon. And Sharon had written a guidebook about the Grand Canyon that was really well received, so she was kind of known around there. Sharon's book, On Foot in the Grand Canyon, is widely regarded as an authentic look at the pleasures and very real dangers of hiking the canyon's steep trails. The Grand Canyon is a place that draws backpackers and hikers to have an outdoor experience. It is an incredible location. However, it is not to be taken lightly. The trails are precipitous. It's not like there's guardrails or safety nets or that sort of thing. The Grand Canyon Rangers rescue hundreds of people a year. And there are deaths that occur in the Grand Canyon. With a new wife and three dogs, it looks like domestic bliss. Robert Spangler described Sharon as the love of his life. She was his second wife, and he described that they had a unique relationship. 
and she was a bubbly, outgoing person, according to those who knew her, um, quite different than, than Bob's wife. But after a few years, trouble emerges once again in the married life of Robert Spangler. Shortly after Robert Spangler's father died, Sharon Spangler began a real emotional downturn. You can draw all kinds of inferences from her behavior as to what she was beginning to understand about Robert. All in all, it does appear that Mr. Spangler was not having very good luck with wives, or his wives were not having very good luck with him. In about 1986, uh, the sheriff's office received a panicked phone call from Sharon Spangler. And when officers talked with her, she told them that her husband was out to get her. He was after her. And authorities had to go out. They found her in a closet. Uh, panicked and they had to take her to the hospital. Robert Spangler and Sharon Cooper get divorced. It is the second Spangler marriage to end in a shroud of mystery. Sharon Cooper moves out of the house and out of Littleton. The divorce takes a financial toll on Spangler as he is forced to go back to work in order to make monthly spousal payments, as well as payments of over $150,000 in stocks and bonds. Got him. At age 55, Robert Spangler is once again a single man. He wastes no time hunting for a new partner. Man, the course is to be ashamed of themselves. This dude had a second life. Trading in on his charm and charisma, it will not take long. Robert Merlin Spangler was a very charming guy. Uh, he was very good with people. He was the kind of guy, immediately upon meeting him, you'd absolutely like him, and he could befriend you very quickly. That was part of his personality, absolutely. Spangler places a personals ad in the Denver Weekly. One of those to respond is a retired bookkeeper from nearby Evergreen, Colorado, named Donna Sundling. Donna was a really nice person. She'd do anything for anybody. She was a lot of fun to be around and uh, never a harsh word. She was just a great person. Donna and the newly divorced Robert Spangler begin a whirlwind courtship. By August of 1990, they are married and Spangler convinces Donna to move with him to the small tourist town of Durango. But in a now familiar pattern, a shadow soon falls on the marriage. A potentially dangerous shadow. Off subject, I'm thinking about this new structure, this new structure. We're going to write a new structure. You know how it would dry up, it, it, would, it would dry up uh, altercations if it's worth $1,000 per punch? Say a bar fight. Say a bar fire have a dude punch the guy two times in the face. They get it on tape. The police come and usually throw him in jail. He gets a little salt. Cause no, no, fuck that shit. We're not taking away from the justice system. We're adding on to it. Generically, it's already a thousand dollars on top of that, but that goes directly towards the person they punched. Even having you working, it might have to be after they get found guilty or this and that. 
but start attach the civil with criminal and stop fucking over the Americans and give us our money. America's ours. So when I call the cops that this dickhead just broke the school window, there's a there's an American insurance claim on that. He has to pay the little thousand dollars. He got to pay all the court fees and all that. He got to pay the thousand dollars restitution and all that shit. But he also owes three hundred dollars that go directly to the lady who called. So imagine a society is. Whereas if you kill some, if you kill somebody, that's a million dollar debt. Manslaughter, it's a hundred thousand dollar debt. If you punch somebody in the face, once they prove it, it's a thousand dollars per punch. But not, it's not going to the fucking IRS. There's no incentive to keep on feeding that fucking fat ass pig of a system of ours. No, this played out in real time. And once this guy get punched in the face. You know why he's not going to punch that guy back in his face? Because then he owe $1,000. So, so at the same time is tweaking the system, man. Uh, if we do it right, it can make people act right. Because there's no incentive to pay taxes. We don't feel that shit. There's no incentive to do the right thing. There's no incentive to behave the right, to behave the right way. And all these things. And regardless, if it, if it was in people focus, it might not be a good thing, but it would be focused on the burden of proof. The the uh, the uh, burden of proof. So when the girl slaps him, he don't lose it and beat her up. He was recording her. The police came and locked her up. She got God's bail. And plus, she owe him $1,000 in real money that she's going to be in jail or go to jail for if he don't receive his money. Because it's connected to the warrant system. You owe Sherlock Homeboy. You're under arrest. You have a warrant out for what? You owe Sherlock Homeboy $2,000. <laughs> you owe Sherlock out for what? You remember when you slapped him up? Yeah. He just, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you got, it's not bail. You, I got my bail. I just got a hold <coughs> on an assault charge. Yeah, when I slapped Sherlock up. And then when, when she, mama bring that money down, I get a check in the mail. Like, oh, Brenda's free. How that bitch get out? I get no money. Oh, shit. I got $2,000 coming. I saw Brenda. Go to the mailbox, my $2,000. So, 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 I'm not costing us any more money. I'm saying, look at all this crazy shit we spend money on. Let's retweak the system and act like America's ours. And act like, when I say America's ours, man, you can't do that shit. You, you, you rob McDonald's. I'm not telling them. I'm not. My, I'm not my best. What good for me come from me saying that was Tyrone that robbed McDonald's? There, there's no good from that. There's no positive to do the right thing. There's no incentive. But that's an armed robbery. That's automatic five thousand dollars. Hey, come now, Tyrone just jumped behind the cash register. I'm looking. Yeah, come now. Yep. Yeah. This, this is Sherlock. Yep. Yep. Come, hurry up. He's ready. He's yeah. He's over there. Hurt. Next thing you know, check is in the mail, but it ain't a free check. He got. He owe that. If he if he don't owe, if he don't pay it. He's going to pay it by working because either you get out of here or you go down to the Piggly Wiggly factory behind the prison 
and put in your 40 hours. And we're going to tax that check like child support. So I'm still sure I can be, I'm lost in this creative ideal of changing the structure for rewarding, for doing the right thing, and plus getting our, our, our insurance claims on America because it's ours. And it would change if if all gunshot if put this way, right or wrong, it's a it's a five thousand dollar fee to shoot someone. Even for just right or wrong. Right or wrong. Right or wrong. That changed things. That change that changed things. It make everybody it make everybody aware. That means that means what it cost to, for you to save your life when you had to go to do it. Well, you shot him four times. The justice fee is uh, 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 the justice uh, the justice fee is twenty thousand dollars. I'm sorry, that's what it is. Now, who gets the money? This is getting complicated. All I'm saying, once we attach the civil thing to everything, people are gonna be people will act different. Cause if I shoot this guy, even though I can't shoot him, it's gonna cost me five thousand dollars if I shoot him once. But if I call the police and hold them with my gun, now I get $2,500. Hey, man, we need to take some time and think out this. What are we going to call? Uh, we're going to call this system the. Uh, let me think of some creative. The Sherlock adapt, adaptation. We can't put words we can't say. The, sh- the Sherlock. We're gonna call it the shirt. Oh, the lock. Yeah, yeah. That that that's connecting the civil and the criminal, but with payments out to the public. And then we could take the emphasis off the police. No, I hate about police. They play a gotcha game. They're not out there policing. They're trying to pay their salary by pulling me over for speeding. They're trying to take me to jail on some domestic bullshit. It just it gets complicated. But we're gonna we're gonna incentivize them too. We're gonna make it we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna empower the people and plus we're gonna uh we're gonna sweeten their they we're gonna sweeten their beat too. So so it's a work in progress, but the overall thing is we need to incentivize being a Amer- being American. When I say incentivize being American, every immigrant owe a American tax. What's the American tax? That's fifty thousand dollars. That get dispersed. That get dispersed. That get dispersed evenly throughout American uh, third generation or longer Americans. Yep, you can come, you come in here because each person coming here, I know fifty thousand going to pay our taxes. So you can come on over if you want to. A green card, and I'm talking about extra, just like that five. You know how they do the FDIC check? Extra American tax. Oh, oh, you like America? Yeah, I like you being over here too. Because if 500 more thousand you guys come, we get a bonus check. We taxing y'all so much where the, the y'all dealing with y'all might as well go home. Y'all might as well go home. Because y'all, everyone, everybody who come over here who third generation, if you third generation or shorter, no, second, no, yeah, you got to be over three generations to get the tax lifted. Now, not for life, this video, you had, a, you had a kid? Yeah, yeah, congratulations. I'm happy for you too. Because you work for cheaper rates, and plus you owe $50,000. Before you know it, we just can relax. And nobody's doing no crazy shit. Everybody's taking advantage of turning this American economy into a bonus. 
and I'm telling you, what I'm going to call, man, I got to come, make America great again. I love it, man. I love it. Let's go. Robert Spangler's first wife and two children were found shot to death in a highly suspicious double murder-suicide. His second marriage is dissolved, resulting in an expensive divorce. Not to be deterred, Spangler marries again, this time to Donna Sundling, and settles into a new life in picturesque Durango. Durango is a classic Colorado mountain town. People are there because they love the outdoors, they kayak on their lunch hours, they hike all the time, and uh, it's just a community that has very little crime, quite prosperous, and is isolated from the rest of the world, but surrounded by beautiful mountains. For the third time in his life, Robert Spangler is a husband. The couple becomes deeply involved. In One more thing, I'm going to let it go. I think based upon the like two thousand dollars to shatten them five thousand. Five thousand dollar tax, good or bad tax was uh, a tax shot, like a, a shot tax. And then don't people are getting mad at me. It's a work in progress. But you know what I do for you guys when I make America great again? I will remove all gun laws. Yep, there's no such thing as a gun law anymore. But there is a five thousand dollar the good, the bad, the ugly. You must hit somebody though. You not just if you don't hit them, it don't count. So, so we just count bullet holes now. There is no gun laws. The good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, Five thousand dollars a shot. In the Durango community, and Spangler himself referees soccer games for the local parks and rec league. Donna continues teaching aerobics at the Durango Sports Club, while Robert takes a job as a disc jockey at the local radio station. Spangler's on-air persona quickly establishes him as a local celebrity. Robert Spangler was a part-time uh, country music radio DJ. He was uh, you can't trust them DJs. You can't trust them motherfuckers to be talking to people. Wait, wait, what? what? You can't trust them DJs, man. Them motherfuckers shady, man. I think you were like a new age uh, DJ. See what I mean? You got me there. You got you or me? Both of us. Popular, he had a chipper radio persona. Uh, he was well liked and recognized wherever he went. He was always friendly and open. Um, people liked him. That's a shame. Vigilante, vigilante justice is underrated. Uh, thanks for supporting tomorrow. No, that's not that one. It's not over yet. If you want to support me and find out what makes me tick, tick, boom, please check out my autobiography, The Edith of Marlon, The Cult of the Individual by Marlon Heavenly Seventh. Everywhere books are available. But Robert Spangler keeps his personal life a carefully guarded secret. When asked about his previous family, Spangler offers... One more thing as I make America great again. Every crime committed by a kid under the age of 15, their parents will be charged accordingly. Yep, I'm changing this shit around.
every crime committed by a kid under the age of 15, the parents get mirroring crimes with mirroring bells or lose or turn that little bad motherfucker over to the state. You must sign your, you don't want to sign this paper right here. We'll, we'll, we'll throw them in a Catholic foster home to get ass break for the next four years if you don't want them. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Different versions of how they died. Over time, Robert told a number of different stories about what had happened to his family. In one, he said that his son was on drugs and he'd gone berserk and killed the whole family. In another, he said that there had been a car accident, that he was behind the wheel, the rest of the family died, and he was injured but survived. And then he did tell some people that um, his wife had gone berserk and killed the kids and then killed herself. To all appearances, Robert and Donna enjoy married life, being active and spending their free time outdoors. Spangler turns his love of hiking into a part-time job, giving guided hikes of the Grand Canyon for tourists. But Donna does not share her husband's enthusiasm for the canyon. Donna always had a fear of heights, buildings, driving in a car next to a steep cliff or something. Uh, it always disturbed her. And when they were hiking in the canyon, they always went down on the more gentle trails because there wasn't the big drop-off in the fear. Soon, Donna stops going on hikes altogether. Spangler becomes distant, and the couple grows apart. By spring of 1993, Donna knows her relationship with Robert Spangler is in trouble. In a last-ditch effort to save the marriage, Donna agrees to one more hike in the canyon, despite her fear of heights. This time, the couple is alone. And Donna, if this dude uh, kill his his second wife after killing his family, he better not do that. What the fuck? would not have chosen to hike the Grand Canyon on her own, but Robert had talked her into one last trip because they were trying to patch their marriage up at the time. But Donna tries to remain positive, and the couple leaves for a weekend excursion to the Grand Canyon. This last trip that she went on, she just had a weird feeling about going on the trip. She was really reluctant to go, but she went anyway. 
Although Donna Spangler suffers from vertigo, she is willing to face her fear to save her marriage. But trouble in a marriage to Robert Spangler can have deadly consequences. Easter Sunday, the couple sets out for the Horseshoe Mesa section of the Grand Canyon on the fourth and final day of their camping trip. It will be the last thing Donna Sundling Spangler will ever do. Just before noon, Robert Spangler shows up at the back country office. He claims there has been a terrible accident involving his wife. Robert told the rangers that he was setting up his tripod to take a picture and that his back was turned to Donna and when he turned around, she was gone, that she'd gone off the edge. We just thought it was unusual. Well, she you... fell quietly, she didn't even yell. She didn't go, ah! So she just disappeared like a ghost. Reported his wife's fall, that he stood in line patiently behind backpackers trying to get permits um, before he actually reported it. Park authorities race to the location of Donna's lifeless body at the bottom of the canyon. The body was very beaten up uh, and, and took several stumbles on the way down. And, uh, and, and there wasn't much forensic evidence uh, for law enforcement to detect. Spangler tells authorities that after Donna fell, he scrambled down the side of the canyon washed the blood from his wife's face and covered her with a tarp before rushing for help. In comparison to uh, other homicide crime scenes where you typically have witnesses that have seen or heard something or you have forensic evidence at the scene that you can collect, uh, law enforcement uh, was very challenged at this particular crime scene because th there wasn't any of that. If, if somebody didn't see the fall, um, there's really nothing else to go on at that point other than his statements. After questioning Spangler about his every movement that day, park authorities released the grieving husband. After the investigation was wrapped up, the sheriff's department closed the case as an accidental death. Donna Spangler is dead at age 58, leaving behind five children and five grandchildren. Word of Donna's mysterious death spreads quickly through the media. People found the circumstances of Donna's death unusual because she wouldn't have wanted to be hiking there in the first place. And then the fact that it was um, during a picture, it's, it's kind of an old bad joke, you know, someone standing on a, a cliff edge and uh, someone else taking their picture and all of a sudden they fall off the edge. Even though Bob Spangler had always been a perfectly likable, reasonable guy and we had no other reason to suspect him, the story just didn't ring true with us and my editor and I and a lot of people just felt like he pushed her. The local community reacts to the tragedy with shock and disbelief. Even though Bob Spangler wasn't charged with anything, gossip and suspicion lingered and uh, in, in a small community oh my God. like that we were we knew when he was dating someone a mutual friend uh, was supposed to go to the grand canyon with him for a hike and all her friends advised her don't go to the grand canyon with this guy 
Robert Spangler has Donna's remains cremated before her family can make it to Colorado. At the memorial service, he delivers a eulogy which a friend later describes as tearless and weird. People started thinking that Robert Spangler's past was odd because he had two dead wives and he had a dead family and the circumstances were not normal. One was a suicide murder and one was slipping off a trail at the Grand Canyon. Robert Spangler is single for the third time in his life. For some, the pattern of sudden bachelorhood is just bad luck. For others, it is a clear sign of something dark and deadly and the secret life Spangler keeps well hidden. He has a way of dealing with problems permanently. Robert Spangler receives a visit from his second wife, Sharon Cooper. A year after the Grand Canyon incident, Sharon Spangler, his second wife, was going through a tough time and she actually moved back in with him in his Durango home. Uh, she rented a room. Oh, 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 she's a dummy. The wife that got away doubles back to him. So the wife before her dead, the wife after her dead, and she goes back. In a bizarre twist to an already remarkable story, Sharon Cooper's decision to reunite with ex-husband Robert Spangler will have tragic consequences and set off a chain of events that will lead authorities to solve the case of the mysterious widower and the gruesome parade of dead wives. Man, even though I've been just in my little imagination uh, doing this, uh, this is a black eye for police enforcement. This is bad. This story is bad. This story is bad. This story is a bad look for law enforcement. This 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 is gross. Come on. Local radio personality Robert Spangler has already lost his first and third wife under mysterious and violent circumstances. First wife Nancy Spangler allegedly shot their two children before turning the gun on herself. And Spangler claims his third wife fell to her death in the Grand Canyon. But a shroud of mystery surrounds all these deaths and Robert Spangler himself. On July 14th, Spangler's second wife, Sharon Cooper, moves in with him after being estranged for six years. After Donna's death, Robert's second wife, Sharon, ended up moving back in with him in Durango. She was supposedly going through a hard time. She had just broken up with a boyfriend and was having some mental health issues. And so she moved in with Robert. Spangler and Sharon Cooper attempt a life together for a second time. It lasts less than four months. Spangler returns home to discover Sharon unconscious next to a suicide note. Spangler hey. takes the... Hey, are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me, man? What? 
response of Sharon Cooper to the emergency room, but it is too late. Hours later, Sharon Cooper is dead. Uh, she actually came uh, to consciousness and spoke with the doctors and talked with them about having taken an overdose of Tylenol. The death is ruled an overdose, and there is no criminal investigation. Whether by accident or by design, it is convenient for Spangler that he no longer has to pay spousal support. It is not the first time a tragic coincidence has worked in his favor. Robert Spangler denied having any responsibility in Sharon's death. Many of us have different theories about how her death occurred, though, and there's no doubt but that he had a lot of control over her at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, he could make her take them or convince her that she she took them during the process. Yeah, that could be smart guy done. He can make her think she did it or both or make her do it. Or during the process, convince her that she did it. Point in her life. When news of Sharon's death reaches members of Donna Sundling's family, they contact the police immediately. They had been told that his first family had died in an accident. They knew that their mother had died in the Grand Canyon, and now another woman associated with Bob Spangler has died in close proximity to him. They began to wave flags, make calls to law enforcement, contacting agencies. And at that point, the Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office reopened the 1978 deaths of Bob's first family. And that's bullshit, because there's no new evidence in that case. How'd that work? The only thing changes, he killed some more. Arapahoe County investigator Paul Goodman gets to work re-examining the deaths in Littleton. It has been over 15 years since Robert Spangler's first family was killed. But Goodman and his team discover several pieces of evidence that shed a new light on what might have happened that December. That bullshit right there, man. That's that shit right there that pissed me off. That's that bullshit right there. That's that bullshit right there. Damn, that sucks. That's that bullshit right there. Good morning. The suicide note was strange because people usually don't explain why they're committing suicide, but yet this had a full explanation. It was typewritten. It was signed with a single letter N, which Bob explained was something normal. This shit, don't tell me his fingerprints are on that note. For Nancy, she had a neurological disorder and often couldn't hold the pen long enough to write. Another strange thing was we found lots of checks that Nancy had filled out and filled out in their entirety in cursive writing and signed her full name to those checks. The other strange thing is that if she couldn't hold the pen long enough to sign a check, how did she hold the gun long enough to shoot her two children and then herself? The angle of the alleged suicide weapon, Robert Spangler's 38 caliber Smith & Wesson, plays the most critical role in determining just how Nancy Spangler died. This is a technique called test firing or proximity testing. And a, a weapon is fired at various distances from a target. You can see as the weapon is fired at very close ranges, and this is one inch, 
and we tested from two, three, six to nine inches away. You can see as that distance increases, you get less soot deposited. We can take this data back and compare it with the entrance wound, and we can determine that when the weapon was fired, it was at least six inches from Nancy's head. Goodman enlists the help of Arapahoe County Coroner Dr. Michael Doberson. Together, they recreate the murder scene based on the autopsy report and crime scene photographs. We did come up with a study that was completed at that same period of time, and it involved 116 suicidal gunshot wounds, and most of them were to the temple area and into the mouth, and then a few into the back of the skull, into the brainstem area. And this is a highly unlikely place for a suicidal gunshot wound. What we typically see in self-inflicted wounds is a contact wound, and that's where the muzzle of the gun is in direct contact with the skin. Uh, what's more unusual is to see self-inflicted wounds that are fired at more of a distance. If it is fired at a distance, it's usually a relatively short one, but to have a self-inflicted wound um, have a range of fire of six to eight inches is extremely unusual. Armed with proof that Nancy was murdered, Paul Goodman adds it to his growing file on Robert Spangler. In the meantime, Goodman has been working in conjunction with the FBI on the case of Donna Sundling, whose deadly accident took place on federal land in the Grand Canyon. The thing that makes this case really unique is that it's a multi-agency, multi-jurisdiction, multi-state investigation. There's a lot of forces to bear that are looking at Bob Spangler, and none of them individually just have enough to prove and establish probable cause to move a case forward. We didn't have a lot of forensic evidence. We didn't have witness statements. I think investigators quickly realized that unless we get a confession, it's going to be difficult to prove murder. But a full confession is unlikely from a man who for 22 years has declared his innocence in all of the deaths. 22 years. He's been free for 22 years. FBI agent Leonard Johns seeks the help of expert profilers from the Bureau's Behavioral Analysis Unit. The first thing that the FBI profilers recommended that we do on this case was to build a, a, a thorough background on Robert Spangler, find exactly who he was, and find out everything we possibly could about his personality traits. As we built a more and more of a background on Bob Spangler, we quickly realized that he was very charismatic, he was very manipulative, he was very successful in everything that he did, and he usually got his way in just about everything in a personal and professional environment. Agent Johns works closely with county and state police to devise a strategy that will bring Robert Spangler to justice. Authorities keep close tabs on Robert Spangler, who is now living in Grand Junction, Colorado, a three-hour drive south of Durango. Grand Junction is the largest town on the western slope of Colorado. It's about uh, 50,000 people, mainly working class people. 
it's kind of town where a lot of people know each other. And at the time Robert Spangler was here, there were a lot of community theaters, so he was involved in that and a lot of people knew him through that. Consistent with his profile, Robert Spangler is still craving the spotlight, working as an actor in the local dinner theater. While in rehearsal for one of the plays, Spangler discovers he's having trouble remembering his lines. He goes to a doctor to pursue the problem. The diagnosis is cancer. Spangler writes to family and friends to tell them of his condition. During our investigation, one of our people that talked to a woman, she later comes. $100 tap dance special sponsor episode with a $100 donation. My address, PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App is in the information box. Tell me your favorite podcast of mine and your name and message will be read right on the air as the official sponsor of the episode. Contacted him and told him that she had gotten an email from Bob explaining that he was suffering from a brain tumor which was going to be fatal. Investigators are now in a race against time. The combined forces of Paul Goodman, Leonard Johns, and attorney Camille Bibles have to act fast if they are hoping to secure a confession and a conviction. If, they, if they're hoping to save their ass after, as they let that man live out a second life and kill two more wives. And gotta hurry up when he got terminal cancer. For Bob Spangler. The authorities descend on Grand Junction. To the surprise of no one, Spangler has married again to 53-year-old Judith Hilty. The police have to act fast before Robert Spangler's bad luck with wives claims another victim. Close to Robert Spangler suffer a deadly fate. First wife Nancy was found dead of a gunshot wound, along with her two teenage children. Second wife Sharon is dead of a drug overdose. Third wife Donna falls to her death in the Grand Canyon while hiking with Spangler. The crack team of investigators join forces to get a confession from the suspected wife killer. I don't think he would have got paid from life insurance from his first wife, but uh, on the rest of them, he get life ins he would have got life insurance from the kids and his second second wife that failed. I don't know about the third wife. We were able to verify that Bob did have an inoperable brain tumor. At that point, the investigative team decided it was time to step things up. And we went to Grand Junction to interview Bob Spangler. Investigators Leonard Johns and Paul Goodman make contact with Spangler at his home and request an interview. Spangler agrees. We led Bob into an interview room to talk to him. We interviewed him for several hours. We got some minor admissions from him. No confession at that time. We tried to convince him, ask him if there was anything he needed to get off his chest uh, to no avail. We ended the interview and we told him, 
Bob would really like to talk to you again, his comment was, yeah, I know you would. The next morning, uh, we got a phone call, and Bob Spangler wanted to talk to us again. This time, Johnson Goodman applied some of the techniques they learned from the FBI profilers at the behavioral unit. They start with Spangler's profile as an ego-driven, controlling narcissist who loves being the center of attention. One of the ways that we used that against him was to tell him that he was very important to us, that we could learn and, and study him, that the profilers wanted to do research on him, and that I was this young FBI agent that had worked some homicide cases before, but never dealt with somebody as prolific as him. And the fact that if, if he would just talk about the homicides, I could learn so much from him. Uh, he absolutely bought into that line of story. Another tactic the investigators employ is to stage the police office to exaggerate the size of the investigation. Other members of the team set up the sheriff's office to look like we had a task force on the case itself. On the board it said Spangler Task Force, several people in there on telephones and on computers. Bob... Uh, that's good. See, I want that level of, of policing at the police level. ...and snapped to the right. He was very interested in what was going on in that room. He seemed impressed with the fact that he was the subject of so much attention. This was part of the strategy that the FBI profilers had outlined for us, and it was very, very effective. Investigators Goodman and Johns interview Robert Spangler for the second day in a row. In a room nearby, U.S. Capitol Prosecutor Camille Bibles watches the entire scene on a closed-circuit television. The profiler's strategy pays off. So I'm telling him that he's very important to us, that we can learn so much from him. The profilers want to study him and, and learn more about serial killers from him. But if we're going to do that, he has to demonstrate to us and tell us about how he's a serial killer. I'm accusing him of killing three of his wives and two of his children over a 22 year time span. And after I've accused him of killing those five people, he looks at me and, and with this very piercing stare and he says, well, you're giving me credit for one too many, there's four. Four hours into the interview, 22 years after the crime, Spangler's enormous ego gets the better of him. He confesses to the murder of his wife, Nancy Spangler, and their two children, David and Susan. In chilling detail and with a blank expression on his face, the psychopathic Spangler describes the carefully planned slaughter of his own family. Bob explained to us that that morning he had already made the decision to kill Nancy and he had earlier had her sign a letter into a blank sheet of paper that he later typed the suicide note onto. He told her that he had a surprise for her and asked her to come into the basement to sit down at the table and close her eyes. He said that when she did close her eyes, he had earlier hidden the gun, pulled the gun out from where it was hidden. 
shot her in the head. Robert then heads upstairs, confident his children are still asleep, and continues with his plan. Shot his daughter, Susan, and then he went across the hall to shoot David. David had apparently heard the, at least Susan's shot, and he was sitting up in bed. He shot David once, and David kind of went over, but he was still alive. And he decided that it wouldn't be in keeping with Nancy having shot David if there were two bullets in him. So he went ahead and smothered David into a pillow that was on the floor. When police asked Spangler why he killed his family, he told them he supposed he was selfish, that it would be easier to kill Nancy than to divorce her, and that his new girlfriend didn't like the children, so this was just easiest all the way around. Hoping to secure a full confession, Goodman and Johns pressure Spangler about the 1993 death of Donna Sundling. Bob Spangler's adamant that he's not gonna talk about the Grand Canyon homicide. Uh, Donna has adult children, and he's very fearful that they're going to attack his assets if he confesses to her murder. We went back and forth, uh, used several techniques. We even told him that uh, he was interested in being known as a serial killer, but if he only killed the first family, he wasn't a serial killer. Eventually, he confessed to uh, Donna's murder also. Through the media, news of Spangler's cold-blooded confession spreads across the state from Littleton to Durango to Grand Junction. Robert Spangler's confession was really shocking in Grand Junction. It was all people talked about for a few months. And part of the shock was that the people who knew him thought that he was a nice man. They couldn't believe that he could do such a thing. Robert Spangler is arrested and taken into custody. With a full confession already secured, there is no need for a criminal trial. Robert Spangler pled guilty to first-degree premeditated murder of Donna. As part of our plea, he also admitted the killing of Nancy and his two children in Colorado. We wanted to add that to our plea to give closure and finality to Nancy's family. At the plea hearing, for many journalists covering the case, it is the first opportunity to see the charming and psychopathic killer in the flesh. The courtroom was crammed with people. Um, some of the victim's family members were there, and his fourth wife was there. She was surrounded by friends who were kind of acting as bodyguards. And when Spangler came in, it seemed like he was on stage he was smiling he was winking at his fourth wife you know he he seemed just so cold and unruffled and he never did look at the victims families at all the sentence of life behind bars with no chance of parole is not the only life sentence for robert spangler nine months after his conviction robert spangler dies in prison but for the families and friends of the victims, the Spangler murders will leave a lasting, haunting impression. This crime is more heinous and cold-blooded than just about any crime I've ever covered. He killed his entire family and then he left their family thinking for 22 years that 
their sister, daughter, whatever, had, had done this horrible thing and murdered her own children. And those people just lived with hell all that time. And that didn't seem to bother him. And then pushing the third wife off the cliff, you know, taking her up there and telling her that it was going to be a reconciliation. And it's, it's just so cold-blooded. All right, we made it to the end. So uh, they decided to solve the case once they find out he was dying of cancer. Great. Uh, hey, my little, my little, uh, my little structure re uh, making America great again. Hey, give me a break. It's in its early stages. We're gonna have to uh, uh, smooth out some rough edges, but uh, this is a work in progress. Mm, what we're doing, we're getting out of here. Uh, thanks for supporting the Marlon Podcast Network. Two new episodes every day. Please check out my merch store link in the information box. My merch is my wardrobe. Yep, I'm selling the shirts off my back, the shoes off my feet, the pants off my ass, own a piece of my personal life. This, this one was kind of rough. Uh, this one's on society. This one's on the police department. Uh, uh, there's no reason for any case to be cold. Uh, I love those who love me. Catchphrase. But music was his greatest solace. His violin, bought in London's Tottenham Court Road, was a Stradivarius. In the case of the Red-Headed League, Holmes himself talked of violin land, where all is sweetness and delicacy and harmony. As Holmes's reputation grew, so did that of his creator, Conan Doyle. At first, I think they attracted a little, very little attention. But in 1893, Conan Doyle decided that he had had enough of his most famous creation. The agent of doom was to be his deadliest enemy, the Napoleon of crime, Professor Moriarty. This is a duel between you and me, Mr. Holmes. If you are clever enough to bring destruction on me, rest assured, I shall do as much for you. If I were assured of the former eventuality, I would, in the interests of the public, cheerfully accept the latter. You either fly, fly, or you fry, fry. 
Every try, try, you always lie, lie. Every female, every guy, guy. Don't try to escape and get high, high. Now I lay me down to sleep. What I did do not happen to me. It might seem like I'm rapping the beat. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, my apologies for heaven's sake. My inner space is out of space. Too bad it went down this way. Run DMC, then walk this way. Stare with the heaven on the hip hop beat. Staring at heaven even if I sleep. Wake up from death seven days a week. Consciousness is continuously. All I know is eternity. To be or not to be. The beat is feeling kind of deep to me. Is it you? It speak to me. Voices in my head play a symphony. Bach mixed with Tupac, Beethoven. I I stay smoking. I'm really trying quick, but I stay smoking. I really want to hit, but I stay hoping. The day seems the same open. I really want to change. I hope you notice. Forgive me for my sins when I lose focus. Forgive you. I hope you're joking. Karma came back and stuck his nose in. What you chosen is the chosen. Get 